It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul is off for a couple of days, so Bernie's sitting in taking the calls. If there's anything you want to share with us, 0818 103 103. Texts and WhatsApps are also up and running at 086 103 103. And I've just spotted a couple of texts in from listeners who are caught in traffic saying, Hi, uh, would anybody know what's the hold up in the traffic on the Cork Road just outside of Mallow? The traffic is at a standstill. I hope that everybody is. Okay, we are getting reports in of an accident on that road, on the Mallard to Cork Road. It's near the turn off for Burnford and it is causing traffic delays. And that's as much information as we have now. So please, God, everybody is okay, but it is causing traffic delays. So if you need to travel from Mallow uh, to Cork, I'd hold off. And if you are already in that traffic jam at the moment, bear with them while they deal with that accident at the turn off for uh, Burnford. And we are, of course, uh, the whole of the country bracing itself for what is being called a great freeze. Temperatures could go as low, they reckon, to a bone-chilling minus 10 degrees. There's snow in some parts of the country, ice, freezing fog, and it is obviously threatening to cause travel chaos. And if the mercury this week does go down to minus 10 degrees, that will actually make it two degrees colder than what it was during our last big freeze, which was the beast from the east, and that was back in 2018 and it will be the coldest December temperatures logged for almost a decade. That's if it does go down to minus 10. Now a significant number of schools were set to close as principals were advised to take safety decisions based on local snow and ice conditions. So that was despite the government opting not to enforce a blanket national closure order. People were wondering, you know, particularly when Met Aaron was starting to issue weather warnings, would schools close? But the government said no, they're kind of leaving the decision uh, based locally on principals to see what conditions are like in their own areas. Now they reckon about a quarter of a million people have opted to work from home and will stay at home over the next number of days, given the likely disruption to traffic caused by that freezing fog and snow and ice. And of course, as we now know, the entire country has been placed on a status orange 
weather alert. There has been cancellations of flights out of Dublin and actually that was happening right across the weekend. There's some more uh, cancellations and delays today. The Housing Minister Dara O'Brien is out. He's pleading with people to keep safe, to keep warm and uh, he is stressing though that currently there's no likelihood of a status red snow and ice alert. They're keeping it at an orange warning at the moment. Dara O'Brien also moved to reassure people who are feeling threatened by fuel poverty that no one will have their heating supplies cut off. There is assistance there. If somebody is in financial difficulty, there are mechanisms within the Department of Social Protection to assist people and he's pleading with people to please stay warm and if you need additional financial support, then get on to the Department of Social Protection. Local community well Welfare officers are available to help people out. Now, at the moment, when it comes to the worst of the weather, particularly snow and the very heavy ice, it's Dublin, Kildare, Wicklow, Donegal and Mayo. They're predicted to get certainly the worst of the snow and the ice. So while we will be bitterly cold down here in the south, we hopefully at this stage may not get the worst of it. But it's interesting to note with the schools because... You could see on social media yesterday, parents were wondering, oh, are they going to do a blanket closure of all of the schools? And then came the news from the government that no, uh, schools were were to to open. But I read a piece from uh, Carl O'Brien. He's the education editor with the Irish Times today, saying that schools that do close, and some of them seemingly have closed, particularly in those areas, those parts of the country where the worst of the weather conditions are, you know, in Dublin, uh, Kildare, Wicklow, Donegal and Mayo, some of the principals in those schools have opted to close. Well, it seems schools that close for icy weather or indeed any other unforeseen circumstances may not make up for the lost time with remote teaching and learning. This is under official guidance. Instead, schools would be required to compensate for the tuition time by cutting non-tuition activities. That's things like cancelling school tours. It's also been reported that they'll have to shorten their midterm breaks or shorten their Easter holidays by up to three days. So what they're going to have to do is the schools are going to have to pay back the teaching hours to the pupils if they're forced to close because of weather events or any other events. And that's that's never been uh, the case uh, in the past. The measures seemingly were set out in a recent circular which was sent to schools from the Department of Education. Now, the government's National Emergency Coordination Group, they met yesterday and they agreed that schools should remain open this week despite the freezing temperatures and the frosty conditions. But they did say that the final decision would rest with school management and Schools were allowed to close if they felt it was necessary, if the local conditions were very bad. But the but because of this circular, it means now that if they close for a day or two, then those two days are going to have to be made up somewhere else, either by shortening a midterm break or there's two weeks, isn't there, at Easter. The Easter holidays could be shortened by anything up to uh, three days. Now, seemingly, the circular that was sent to all schools has sparked frustration amongst some school leaders who say that the investment in technology and the valuable experience of remote teaching during COVID appears to count for nothing because this circular says you can't just go to remote working 
when there's an extreme weather event. If you're opting to close the school, then close the school, but the days will have to be uh, made up. It means that the measure now has been seen by many observers as, um, as as an end to the snow days. And we all know, I mean, when we were children ourselves, there were snow days where you didn't go to school and you didn't have to pay it back. Now it looks like the schools are going to have to uh, pay it back. I don't know how that's going to go down uh, with parents alike. 0818103103, but by all accounts, teachers are not too happy with it. Uh, 0862103103, your thoughts are welcomed on that, particularly the bit about not being allowed to do the remote teaching. I mean, we had remote teaching for many, many months during the pandemic. It worked for some pupils. Some pupils thought it was great. Some schools got on really well with it. Not everybody liked the idea of remote learning. And certainly during the pandemic, we would have heard from some parents who felt that their children suffered and that their education suffered because of the remote learning and they just couldn't learn as as good as they would if they were in the classroom. But I suppose the teaching bodies are saying, look, we've put all the systems in place. We've learned the mistakes of the early days with remote learning. And a lot was learned during the pandemic about teaching uh, remotely. But they've been told now if there's any kind of unexpected uh, closures to do with any kind of weather, they can't opt for remote uh, learning. They're going to have to pay the days back instead. Your thoughts welcomed? 0818103103. Somebody by WhatsApp has says, uh, Patricia, earlier this morning in Mill Street, it was showing minus seven degrees Celsius on the thermometer in the car. So very, very cold. I mean, my watch has a thermometer, um, an outside thermometer uh, reading on it. And when I got up this morning, uh, which was at about quarter to six, it was at minus one. And looking at it now, it's at minus five even though it was at minus six about an hour ago so it still is bitterly cold and with that freezing fog there and the expectation is that the freezing fog could linger all day then it's going to find it very difficult for the temperatures to uh, go up. Now an email into Patricia at c103.ie and this is from one of our overseas listeners Martin in Southampton who is updating us on a situation that he emailed us about last month. It was Martin in Southampton who let us know that there was due to be postal strikes in the UK and he wanted to let people know in case they wanted to send Christmas cards or Christmas presents to loved ones in the run-up to Christmas in the UK to get them in the post as quick as you could because there may be delays with these postal strikes. Well, he's back on to me um, this morning uh, to say, I emailed you last month with the reminder to get people to post their cards so that they would get there by Christmas. Unfortunately, since I, since I emailed you last month, matters have only got worse. The Royal Mail are now saying that Christmas cards may not arrive until at least February of next year. There are trolley loads of mails building up at all sorting offices all over the UK. Even in some sorting offices, they're being stored in the canteen. First class letters posted between UK addresses. Normally, they've got a next day delivery. They're now being told that they're taking over a week. Postal, st- postal workers are on strike in the UK on Wednesday and Thursday again of this week. And then, of course, also two days next week of Christmas week. They're out on the 23rd and again on uh, Christmas Eve. So just to let people know if you have sent cards to loved ones 
in the UK and you're wondering perhaps why they're not messaging you to say thank you for your beautiful Christmas card. It's very possible it hasn't arrived. It'll be there in February. They'll get it in time for Easter, I'm reckoning. 0818103103. Bernie takes your calls. Now, in what is believed to be the first such admission in a case involving the cervical check screening programme, two US laboratories admitted their breaches of duty in screening and reporting previous smear tests which were incorrectly reported as normal caused or contributed to the death of Irene Teep. Irene was just 35 when she passed away in 2017 leaving behind two little boys and a heartbroken husband Stephen who joins me this morning following his High Court case last Thursday. Good morning to you Stephen. Good morning again Patricia, how are you? I'm very well and and you're very welcome uh, to the programme. For you Stephen, was that the most important thing that they admitted their wrongdoing? It was the only thing. Uh, This process began four and a half years ago. Um, If you remember back in May 2018 and I suppose there was, I suppose it was nine months after Irene had passed away that we got that call that time to say uh, smear tests had been audited and the audit returned two completely different results from the all clears Irene was actually given. And this question, she voice in my head saying, when back that day when she got diagnosed with cancer, how did this happen? I did everything right. was this question I just kept on turning over in my head, you know. And for me, at that point, it was always about answering that question, finding the truth. Um you know, it's amazing when you take money off the table, all you're left with is the truth. And that was the only thing I would have battled to the bitter end to get to it. And, um, you know, it was just less than three weeks before a trial date that they actually admitted the truth. Um, But, you know, there was never going to be any winners in this process. Mm -hmm. For me, it was, it wasn't just about getting to the truth, but it was preventing those, it turned out preventing those who knew the truth from hiding it was actually what this real fight was about and this battle was about and all the obstacles that were thrown in our way for the last four and a half years and became, and I suppose I've spoken to you many a times about different things in the cervical check debacle, but I suppose I had my own fight constantly going on in the background that I couldn't talk about yeah. um, until now, thankfully. And, you know, Thursday was that day where I literally just stood in the streets of Dublin and shouted out the answer to that question Irene had, you know, how did this happen when she did everything right? Yeah, because and, um, it wasn't it was just it wasn't just one smear, but there, there were two smears that were incorrectly read. So, so Irene was one of those women who was good about going for her smear test. She wasn't one of those. Oh, I'll, I'll leave it. The last one was fine. Why would I need to go again? She religiously went when she was called. Look, it was everything to do with her health. She was impeccable and it was something that she always stayed on top of. So um, when she did get invited to participate in the cervical check screening programme, she worked in the HSC. She knew exactly what it was all about. So she knew uh, what the screening programme was for, uh, why you go get a smear test, the importance of it. And, you know, like screening, as I said, and I always said, you know, um, cervical screening program has saved hundreds of thousands of lives but it, when it should have saved women's lives like Irene and Vicky and others it didn't so um but Irene knew the importance of attending these appointments and yeah she attended one in 2010 and then got the all clear come back three years later got the second invite three years later went back got the all clear and uh, both those labs have admitted now 
admission of liability, a breach in the duty of care, that they misread those slides or didn't read them correctly, which led to Irene getting cancer and, of course, passing away. And Irene never knew about any of this, did she, before she passed away? No, this is it. Irene is, um, there are a number of women in this um, battle that died before Vicky uh, stood in the forecourse that time, refusing to sign that non-disclosure and made all of this, made everybody aware of this. And Irene was one of those women that died before ever knowing there was an audit taking place. And even when we asked throughout, do you know, when Irene asked, how did this happen? I did everything right. Back in 2015, uh, never was it said to us that, oh, look, there's an audit going to be performed now on your slides. And, you know, so we could have, we could start there to get the answer to your question. But the disclosure piece that you've heard loads about in the yeah. cervical check tobacco, um, in July, Irene passed away at the end of July 2017. At the beginning of July, the audit was uh, completed and sent to a consultant in the Cork University Hospital who made a decision not to tell Irene, actually him and a number of consultants in the the, the, H, the CUH in Cork, um, met about it and made a decision not to, to share this audit result with Irene and basically buried that in her file. So in the middle of July, when they were telling us that they were stopping treatment and Irene's cancer was too progressive, and she only had a few short weeks to live. Her medical file sat with us in the room that day and the information, the answer to that question that she's still asking when she was told she was going to die, um, how did this happen? I did everything right, was actually there. And what the non-disclosure piece did for Irene and my family, it wasn't, it, it didn't, it wouldn't have done anything medically for her, but what it actually was, it prevented her, um, the consultants prevented her from the truth. They prevented her from getting justice, which we know what know what that looks like since Thursday, that people actually did harm to her. But it also prevented Irene from putting security in place for her children for when she's gone. And I know that would have been a massive. I think that's actually where her focus would have been. Really, it's always been would have always been about the boys. Mm. And, you know, if that wasn't an obstruction of justice, hiding that information from her, I really don't know what is. And I think that's the part of this that I find very hard to, to get over, really. Like all of it is difficult to get over but that part is, is certainly that disrespect that they shown her um their patient and, did and they, colleague did they ever did they ever say why they decided to bury it those within CUH. they thought they thought she was too unwell i think was one excuse i heard um, but the policy would have dictated that you know if you don't tell if, if you think someone's too unwell you tell their next kin me mm. so they should have told me um, even if they had contacted Irene's GP, he would have known, who had been looking after Irene since she was born, would have known perfectly well that she has to know this. So they were a complete breach of, um, I suppose, breach of their policy. And the, the HSC have also admitted their admission of liability with the non-disclosure piece as, as well. So, you know, they, um, but there's no excuse for it. They should have told her. They should have at a very minimum told me and I could have made the decision next to Ken if they thought she was too ill, um, which yeah. she certainly was. And, she wasn't. and you, she was, you knew her she well was enough. Sick. She yeah. was sick physically. But and and she Stephen, she would have wanted to have known. That's the thing. Yeah. It was her right to know information about her body. The question that she keeps asking 
And yes, 100%, there's no question. She definitely would have wanted to know. And you now, of course, continue to raise your beautiful uh, boys, um, Oscar and Noah, who are Oscar's nine and, mm-hmm. and Noah's seven. They're still they're still very young. Is so much of this, Stephen, part of will be form part of their future? But for you to be able to say to them, I did everything that I could. Yeah, this is the question. You know, the day will come where I will have to sit down with those lads and um, explain what happened. And, you know, like they've asked questions before about mum's cancer and did um, how did mum get it and how come, you know, she died from so on. And we've been able to, over the years, answer those questions, you know, in an age-appropriate manner. But the questions will come when they're bigger in this. And I suppose I want to be sure, and I've said this from day one in getting the truth for Irene, but I want to be able to sit in front of them and walk away from that conversation with them knowing that I did absolutely everything I could. One, to get the truth, but two, not to let the people who are responsible for this hide it or get away with it. And for me, that's all, I suppose that's the best I can do for them and for Irene's memory. And um, they deserve that. Um, and they deserve to know that, you know, while they were too young, that, you know, I did, I did everything I possibly could for them. And, Yes, that'll be a, a very important piece because the news they will hear in relation to this is going to be heartbreaking and horrific for them. But just as long as they know I left nothing behind, then I'm sure they can get some a small ounce of satisfaction. That Absolutely. Whatever Absolutely. good it may, may, may bring, you know. And, and we watched you outside the the High Court last Thursday, you were very critical of uh, the politicians, you know, accusing them of having the Irene's blood uh, on their hands. And, and, and I saw at the weekend that the Taoiseach came out and said there was no defence for what, for what had happened and, you know, acknowledging your, your devastating loss. Have you directly heard from Micheál Martin? Unfortunately, I haven't. I haven't directly heard from anyone in government, which I find extremely disappointing. As you know, I've worked extremely hard campaigning um, to make sure that uh, Dr. Gabriel Scali's uh, recommendations are implemented. I've worked extremely hard with others behind the scenes to, I suppose, repair the damage that was done in cervical check from a systemic side of things to make sure what happened to Irene doesn't happen to others. And I've done a lot of this off my own back. And to do this knowing now what I knew had happened to my own wife and you know, wanting to, I suppose, that side of the campaigning to ensure what happened to Irene doesn't happen to others. I would have thought a small bit of respect would have been nice to pick up the phone and just, you know, they all have my number. So I was, I, I was certainly disappointed that I haven't heard anything from them. Uh, but am I surprised, Patricia? I think we both are not. But you know, I know, I know. And I take it, I, I, I and I know that this isn't the last we've seen or heard from from Stephen Teep. Your campaigning, Stephen, will continue. 100 yeah. percent there's a there's still work to be done for Irene and plenty of the other um in, in memory of plenty of the other women but um I suppose what we've spoken about recently with Vicky Phelan as well um she started this patient safety bill and mandatory open disclosure so what happened to what we just spoke about earlier with Irene doesn't happen again um how can consultants make a decision disrespect Irene in the manner they did without any accountability or repercussions whatsoever and I suppose this will be the part I will be campaigning 
continuing for all right and it's the action that Vicky called for um, but there's still there's our three four hundred women still involved in the two to one plus support group that still need people campaigning for support for them also and um, yeah I will still still do what I can um, whatever and, that is and, uh, and how there. how are the boys um, Stephen how are they doing uh, boy, boys are great yeah yeah, um, yeah sure I was up in Thurs up in Dublin on Thursday as you know and came back Thursday night and back to reality Friday morning with a sick child who oh. caught one of these bugs going around so do you know it was uh, straight back into it but the lads are doing fine I think they're happy now I'm not going to Dublin again for another while they were getting upset with all there was a lot of um, up and down for the last couple of weeks and um, the tears were starting to show in the last few days so um, they're I think they're happy now they've understood that I was going up to Dublin to um, find out what was happening about mum's cancer. It was kind of how I said it. I kind of just touched it lightly and um, just to give them some sort of explanation of what I was doing. But um, I think they're happy now that that is uh, that done. Um, and whose birthday I've, tomorrow? Yeah, whose birthday? Whose birthday is Noah's birthday? Is it the oldest? Oh, the oldest guy. Oscar. Is he? Oh, he's tomorrow, ten. So. Oh my God, double figures. And I've double I've seen I've seen you um, out in public with the boys, and they're so protective of you, which is just uh, gorgeous. Really and are, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm also knocking fun out of your elf on the shelf. Elf on the shelf has arrived in the cheap <laughs> household, <laughs> which is great no, fun. Not, not, only a few more days left, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, it becomes. A very long December, believe me, with an elf on the shelf. Doesn't in the house. it? I think the parents that tell me, you know, we've decided not to bring it into our house are the the, the, the smart ones. Yeah. There, I think, <laughs> the chore of coming up with something new every day. You're, you're brilliant. You have a great imagination. Listen, you're such a brave, courageous man. Uh, the women of Ireland owe you and the other campaigners a huge, huge uh, debt. And and all we can do is wish you a wonderful Christmas to you and the boys, uh, Stephen. Uh, we'll speak again, no doubt, in the new year. But it's Thank always you, a pleasure. Listen, you. mind yourself. Uh, take care. Bye bye. That is uh, the wonderful uh, Stephen Teep uh, joining us. 0818103103. Someone said, absolutely disgraceful to think what happened to Stephen's wife, uh, Irene. Uh, hopefully, God, uh, God will give him the strength and the family to keep going. And others saying, what a remarkable uh, gentleman. Yeah. And he continues fighting on on behalf of other women, the other women that caught up, got, have got caught up in this vital check uh, screening controversy, but also to make things safer for the women of Ireland uh, going into the future. 0818 103 103. Now, for many people in Mill Street, it felt like they got a bit of an early Christmas present last Friday with the news that their town park will not be used this year for hair coursing. Listeners will remember that local residents held a protest last year to try to stop the local hair coursing club from taking over the public immunity for six weeks in December and into January. Joining me to discuss hair coursing is Aideen Ural from the Irish Council Against Blood Sports. No, she was there and now we've lost her. OK, I'm going to get Bernie to get her back on uh, the, the line because this was an issue that we did speak about last year with the protests at the hair coursing. I don't know how many years the hair coursing has been going on in uh, Mill Street, but I'm certainly interested to hear from anyone in the Mill Street area about this news now that they've decided not to run with the hair coursing for uh, this year. And the problem was that it wasn't just that the hair coursing event would go on for two days, because normally that's what happens when you have hair coursing events. It happens for two days. But the problem in the Mill Street area was that the town park was technically 
shut shut down and closed off and that's what was causing so much upset. Now Aideen Ural, I believe, fingers crossed, is on the line. Aideen? Good morning. Good morning. Sorry, Patricia. the line we, we got. Yes. I was just explaining to, to listeners what's happening in Mill Street and how the protests and we'd spoken about it actually on the programme uh, last last year. Yes. Wasn't it good to see the people of Mill Street, though, take a stance against oh, what, that, the, what the majority of folks see as a cruel sport at the end of the day? Absolutely. It, I mean, without a doubt, it's, it's barbaric and has no place in what we like to think is a civilised country. But I'm so glad for the people of Mill Street because this was absolute arrogance by the Corsing Club. They were locking the people out for six weeks. It's a long time, just around holiday, Christmas time and the holiday period where people would be going out to go for walks in the park and, you know, the children's playground. And, and you know, the school is located where I know the town park because I've gone there uh, to try and film Corsing. And of course, I, w- I was harassed and stopped. But the school is right beside the park there. And I'm sure the children had a view of those hairs run- going up and down the field and in, in, in a compound. I mean, it, for some children, I'm sure it was very upsetting. I know it was. And the reason, the reason they, 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 were, they used to close off the park for the uh, six weeks was it was to keep the hairs captive in the yes. camp, was it? Uh, yes, yes, keeping them in and making sure that it was all strict that you know they, they, they these coursing clubs keep their hair compounds like Fort Knox in case anybody tries to release the hairs are many, are many coursing events held in Ireland every year yes there are there's about 80 clubs 80 and, and, so that, and, and would each of them have an event yes every week not every weekend but it, they'd be they'd have one weekend perhaps one meeting and then out of that, uh, they ha- they qualify for the national finals in Clonmel. And uh, it, it's banned, isn't it, in England, Scotland and Wales? Wales and Northern Ireland. And Northern Ireland, OK. And, and imagine it was banned in New Zealand in 1958 and in Australia in the 60s. Imagine to think that we're still allowing that to go on, that, that and fox hunting, that we're... And Northern Ireland has banned hair, of course, and down here it's, 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 uh, it's legal. Something that's criminal in Northern Ireland is illegal down here. And the two clubs, two remaining clubs from Northern Ireland, come down to County Cavan and Tubbercurry to have their meetings, Dungannon and Ballymena. So they're coming down to the Republic to have to do something that's a criminal offence in Northern Ireland. It's, it's appalling. And, 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 and muscles. They started muscling the greyhounds. I don't know when that was, a number yeah, of years 93, ago. Yeah, 93, after uh, Deputy, Deputy Tony Gregory, RIP. So, I'm so sorry he's gone now. Uh, he brought a bill to ban hair coursing in 1993. And it was defeated. Imagine, I mean, some uh, Fine Gael TDs uh, did defy the whip at the time, which was amazing. But it, his bill was defeated, but... They had to do something. They had to do something cosmetic uh, to for their image because the sight of hairs being torn apart wasn't acceptable. So they decided to muzzle. Now, Has that made a difference? Well, I, I hairs are still being walloped around the place. They're still being killed. I I videoed hairs being walloped and mauled around the place. Picked the guy. They pick up, and the hairs are dying. They pick up the hairs. And 
I saw a guy doing something with with a hare's neck, pulling it and bringing it off and putting it in a box. They are still being killed. I'm not saying all hares are killed, but some a, a certain number of them, and it's not acceptable. And what's not acceptable is the fact that they're taking hares out of the wild in nets. I mean, that's appalling disturbance. And it's appalling cruelty to a timid, wild animal. Wild animals should not be touched. They should be left in the wild. I mean, that's... that's, that's and I, can, and I also... Yeah, I also, whenever I think about it, I think of the fear factor. That's exactly, it's stress. And that can bring on um, disease, stress-related syndromes, and hares can die. 40 hares died at a coursing meeting in Wexford, I think it was 2004. And the vet said it was due to the stress of being coursed and kept um, kept captive, brought on that. I mean, we're in the middle of a biodiversity crisis and everybody recognises that our wildlife is under a huge threat. And to allow people to do that, to give them a licence to go out and snatch hares, is reckless in the extreme. And, and we so know the hares are scarce, hares, Patricia, and the coursing clubs are even finding it hard to get them. For instance, I'm looking here at figures going back to 2011. In 2011 12, 5,820 hares were caught for coursing. And 10 years later, in 2021 22, <clears throat> there was 3,690, a, a drop of 40%. So they're in decline. I mean, Without coursing, they're in decline, is what you're saying. Yeah, no, but I mean, the coursing clubs are, are actually uh, having it, finding it hard to get hairs. And they've extended their meetings, a lot of them, from two to three to three days to avoid recoursing a hair because they've so few hairs for their coursing. They have to spread now, the, out. So, so, so the, the coursing event is not going ahead in Mill Street. Is, is oh, that, does that not mean. It's going ahead in the park. Yeah. But thankfully. And is, but is it, is but it being rescheduled? They're taking their business somewhere else. They're going to have, I believe, in Rathcormac, they may be doing their coursing. So, so, the, yeah. so, the, so the, coursing, the coursing event is still going ahead. It just happens oh, yeah. to be not be in the, in the town park. Not in the town park, but they're going to hold it in another, at another club. Would you like to see other towns follow the lead of the people of Mill Street and get out and protest and say, not in our area? Yeah, well, there's a there's a coursing club in Eden Derry, right, in, in just on the edge of the town, opposite uh, Lidl and Tesco. And I mean, I, I've tried to talk to people in Eden Derry and and ask them to to um, protest about, it. and I'm sure people hate it. Everybody, I mean, seventy eight percent. 77% of the public want to see a coursing band, according to a Red Sea poll. I mean, that's accepted. And of yeah. that 77%, 78% are rural people and 
6% are urban. So it isn't, so yeah, so people can't, yeah, people can't just say, oh, that's only urban people don't want it. Rural people are against it as well. And I, listen, I, 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 Aideen, any time this issue comes up on the programme, uh, we always get a huge, huge amount of commentary in from people I'm saying that, saying, saying it's, it's, it's barbaric. Somebody's saying there's no place for this. Uh, there was no place for this in the 19th century, let alone having it in the 21st century. All right, uh, a little bit of success for the people of Bill Street yes, of the Cham Park. But not for the hairs, it seems. All right, listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that, Aideen. And uh, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Aideen uh, Ural who joins us from the Irish Council Against Blood Sports and say, be interested to hear from people in Mill Street because by all accounts it was received. Uh, somebody said to me it was like getting an early Christmas present to the news that the Mill Street uh, Town Park will now be free of hair coursing and it won't be closed for the six weeks that it has been. I think since sometime around the 1950s I think the coursing club started running their event in the Town Park. 0818 03 Bernie taking your calls. She was reading on the Sunday Independent yesterday the latest update on Shane McGowan of course who was hospitalised uh, last uh, week and he has been treated for viral encephalitis which is an uncommon but a serious condition in which the brain becomes swollen and uh, it, it, he seemingly picked it up because he contracted shingles and the shingles spread to his eyes just showing you how serious shingles can be and uh, it was his his uh, wife, Victoria, realised that he was becoming very unwell and she made the call to get him into hospital uh, straight away. And then it was when he was taken into hospital that he was diagnosed with this encephalitis. And she's been told that if that had been left untreated, it can lead to death in about one in 10 uh, patients. So the hospital explained to her that the shingles can get into your brain. And that's what happened to poor old uh, Shane. But she is now hopeful of having him home for Christmas and it is very important that he comes home for Christmas because of course Shane McGowan is a Christmas Day baby and he'll be celebrating his 65th birthday this year on uh, Christmas Day. So he's on an antibiotic. The hospital want to keep him on the antibiotic. He's on a drip for the antibiotics for at least uh, two weeks but they are hopeful and uh, his wife Victoria is hopeful that he'll be home for uh, Christmas Day and I know she took to social media asking people to pray and to send positive thoughts uh, Shane's way so he has been treated now so please God he'll make a full recovery and he will be home because we all very much associate Christmas when it comes to Shane McGowan and that particular song 0818 103 103 Catherine who's on the N20 travelling to Cork has been on to us to say traffic is flowing okay now after that accident earlier on it seemingly it was a car and a truck that collided by by all accounts everybody was okay but it obviously caused huge delays and it was a massive backlog of uh, traffic but then Finbar from Mallow has contacted us to say he travelled the opposite way Mallow to Cork he's just uh, back in Cork a short time ago he says visibility is extremely poor on that particular road due to fog and the sun is also breaking through he said in some cases on his drive he said you can barely see 20 feet in front of you his suggestion would be avoid travelling if at all possible he said visibility gets a little bit better from Blarney onwards but he said just drive with extreme care and unless that journey is absolutely necessary. Uh, Finbar in Mallow, one of our listeners, is saying avoid, just, you know, rearrange whatever you are planning on uh, doing. And Michael and Noreen and Dripsy were on to say, would you please ask the listeners to put out something for the birds so that they'll be there in the springtime to sing for us. OK, let's all remember the birds during this cold spell. And Mary's in Dunmanway. She said the road, road in her area 
Obviously, she's in a rural part of Dunmanway. We're not gritted. She's on higher ground. She said she could see parents today trying to get their children to school. She said the roads are extremely dangerous. She said it's not fair for the government to say that schools should remain open during this current cold uh, snap. She said they certainly don't understand what it's like to live in uh, rural Ireland. Yeah, and I know the, the, the advice is that schools are to uh, remain open, but locals, you know, if they, what the circular says to the schools is schools can make their own decisions and close it where necessary due to local conditions. But I think the circular telling schools that they'll have to pay back the days. I don't know if that's going to affect decisions by schools, whether or not to close or not. But the actual board of management of the school, if it's particularly bad in an area, they do have the option to close if they feel the children can't get into school or it's too dangerous for, for children to get into school. And the National Emergency Coordination Group, they were the ones who said that the schools should remain open and leave it up to individual schools to make the decision. They're meeting again today. So let's wait and see what... And they'll meet every day this week. So let's see if there's any further advice comes from them, particularly with regard to schools. Then a number of people contacting us with my interview with Aideen Ural of the Irish Council Against Blood Sports and the fact that uh, hair coursing is not going to happen in Mill Street Park. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but the actual it's not going to take place in Mill Street Park uh, this Christmas and it has done, we think since around the 1950s and that was, it looks like it was very much to do with local uh, people protesting and people not happy to have their park closed from the general public for the six weeks in the run-up to that coursing uh, event. Eileen out on, on Bear Island says these people who like to get involved in coursing, they should be all gathered together and put the hint the scent of hares on them and let the dogs loose to hunt them. They then would see what it's like to be hunted down and they might think twice about being involved in hair coursing again. Hope you're keeping well. Eileen out on Bear Island. Mike in Bantry says I'm very, very, very much against uh, coursing, uh, Patricia. It should be banned. Animals have the same feelings as humans. It's disgraceful that it's still allowed to go ahead. And someone says, let us not forget, if there was a referendum held in the morning, in this country on hair coursing 75% of the population would vote to have it banned is that not saying something and that was that Red Sea poll that came out in 2019 when people were asked and 75% of people said if they could get a vote on hair coursing they would ban it you know and we spoke about it is banned in many many other countries didn't realise it got banned on animal cruelty in uh, for animal cruelty reasons in New Zealand back in the 1950s I didn't realise it was that long ago but it's banned in England, Ireland, Scotland and Northern Ireland uh, we're the only country that still has the live hair, hair coursing in this neck of the woods. Now Skibbereen Vincent de Paul Bingo somebody's been on uh, who the organisers there it's normally on in Abbey Story Hall they've cancelled it for t- uh, tonight because of the weather and actually I'm assuming that other events as well will be cancelled because this cold snap is going to continue so if people know of events that are being cancelled again please use the services here of the radio station let us know so that we can get the message out because nothing worse than getting people to make a journey and then the journey wasn't necessary and a couple of people have been on wanting to wish Stephen Teep and um 
saying well done to us for having Stephen Teep onto the programme uh, today. Some of your thoughts in listening to Stephen talking about his fight to get the truth. And that's really what it was all about. It was to get the truth of what happened to his beautiful wife, Irene, and uh, mum to his two little boys. Uh, John says, hi, Patricia. I want to wish Stephen and his children the very best of luck. The government uh, have the country going from bad to uh, worse, says uh, John. And then there was a lovely text in, if I can find it here, from Deirdre. To say, Patricia, as a nurse a smear taker and also more importantly as a mother it makes me so proud of Stephen Teep and his tireless campaign for his wife Irene and the women of Ireland I'm so delighted that he won his battle and I salute and thank him so much and that was one of the things I was trying to get across at the end of the interview to him on behalf of Manoana here we owe Stephen and the rest of the 221 Plus group a huge huge debt of gratitude and then another family battling against the system. Hi uh, Patricia a, a member of our family died suddenly while in hospital while having cancer treatment. We had to put up an almighty fight for her medical notes to find out exactly what had happened they kept fobbing us off and we were told she, she was spared a lot of suffering down the line by dying so suddenly. She was three days in hospital of which two and a half of those were spent on a trolley in the accident and emergency department. She got no antibiotics and no, flu, no fluids as no one was available to put a line into her hand. She ended up getting sepsis. Organs failed and her heart stopped. She was a very young person. We were devastated. We'll never get over it. We've been met with delay after delay and untruths after untruths. We, you would want to be very determined not to run from the HSE. I wouldn't trust any hospital again. Always encouraged to speak always encourage people to speak up now and to ask the questions the day for treating doctors consultants like priests and teachers is long gone um, our health system is in a state and I think that's the that's a heartbreaking story and I think that is the that's you know what Stephen's story tells more than anything was the battle that he had you know he lost Irene in 2017 within weeks of her dying he found out that something had gone wrong and here we are in 2022 before he finally gets an admission of guilt and somebody uh, putting labs, putting their hands up and say, yeah, we, we, we didn't just make a mistake, we cocked up majorly, which contributed and led to the death of his beautiful young wife who's left two children uh, without a mother. It's just utterly heartbreaking. And add to that all the other wonderful women who we've come to know. And, you know, people like Vicky, Vicky Phelan, Emma Vic Mahuna, people who we almost felt like were part of our family. We got to know them so well from their public appearances. So many wonderful women and lives lost. 0818-103-103. Our lines are open. C103 Jobs. With the new Charleville Nursing Home. Find their current available positions at molumhealthcare.com com forward slash careers. An electrician wanted for Cork City and County. Now a van will be supplied. Call 021 4201611. Southern Tree Services, they are looking for a freelance grounds operative to work with a busy tree surgery crew in Cork 086 Experienced sales representative wanted for Ballycurheen Airport Road in Cork. CVs please to the service manager at service at lifttrucks.ie. And experienced grounds worker and a machine driver with experience in concrete and pipeline. Wanted for the East Cork area. Ring Aiden 087 634 1765. 
You can find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. Now, my next guest has just written and published her first novel, which at times is very sad, but it's beautiful. And above all, it is really life affirming to chat about the girl with special knees. I'm joined by Glanmar woman, Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch. You're very welcome to studio. And uh, and, and thank you for the drive down. Was it a bit, was it, was the road? A bit, bit foggy. Yes, was it nice Malin. and close to that mic yeah. now? Okay. Yeah, it's a bit foggy. All right, but you, you made it down safe. Now, I also have to fess up at the start and say we worked together. Um, right. Eleanor was in the city radio station while I was out here in uh, the county. And I was working with you at the time your um, daughter, Lauren, uh, was born and she was born with a rare debilitating uh, condition. So while this book is about everyone in the family with a special needs. Where did the seed of the idea come from? I mean, it is a work of fiction, but where did the seed of the idea come from? I suppose, Patricia, I always wanted to write a book and I, I never knew what subject or what area I might write about. And I never had the time. Um, but sometimes it's a chance remark that sort of sparks something for you. And the chance remark that sparked it for me was when my sister said one day as Lauren was injuring on the couch next to me, self injuring her face. I said, Lauren is a very, you know, distressed. She's in a very distressed state. She's she's unhappy. It's it's heartbreaking to see that. And my sister said, half joking, I suppose, you know, well, who knows Another, you know, what access she has to another life. You know, the way we have this multiverse that we live different versions of ourselves in different dimensions. And it, that isn't all science fiction. You know, there mm. is, I looked it up afterwards, there is some sort of sciencey basis for that. Um, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be very comforting to know that this wasn't the only life she had, that she had another life and maybe another one, another one, who knows, that we all have these multiple lives. Um, and that gave me a sort of a bit of a lift. And I thought about it and I said, I'd love to write about that life that she might get and that she might have. And what would she do and where would she go? And her real self would come to the fore and, and her personality, and her personality and yeah. her sense of humour that I know is in there. Yeah. And we we get glimpses of it every so often. And I know she's a rogue inside and she, the syndrome, I think she's lost under the syndrome. Yeah. And I said, it would be lovely now to sort of, you know, tear the paper off and, and let her out there and see what she does. And, and, and that sort of was the spark, really. I, I began to think about those. How would I get her from this world into another world? How would, so I had to think about that. Oh, my God, I was probably thinking about it for a few years. Um, and then when I was down in West Cork at a writing course and when the um, instructor said, um, go off and write now about what's in your head. What have you been planning to write about, whether it's a book or a poem or a short story? And I thought, oh, the chips are down. I, I have, have to. to take the first page. And it's funny. I can still remember sitting in the hostel um, down in Shirkin Island um, and writing that first page and being excited by it and thinking that I was actually starting a journey myself. And I was very excited. And I knew then I have my first page written. And I, I know where I'm going with this. You knew there it, was. Yeah. And they always say, don't they, if you're going to write a book, write about something, you know. Yeah. And I think and that makes sense mm. because I think you have to put your heart into a book. Um, and I 
I, I'm not sure if you're writing a thriller or if you're writing a crime, but there has to be some heart in the book, some part of you in there to make the book more, to make the book come alive, I suppose, mm. and to make the characters, I suppose, come alive. And I think that is more likely to happen if you write about what you know, your yeah, own experience yeah. of life. Um, the book is clever as well in that you you tell the story through the eyes of the four family members. There's the, the little girl, doll with the special needs. But then you've got this this sister and then you've got the mum and the dad. And they're all dealing with life differently. Yes. And that's how it is in real life. Yes, it is. It is how it is. And I, I did want to write about the sister because I felt, well, you know, that's another perspective. Um, and I remember my friend Miriam about 30 years ago saying to me that often when you have a child with a disability what happens is that the other siblings can get lost and can get forgotten about and can get sort of sidelined completely unconsciously really because the focus if a child is ill if a child has a lot of needs the focus is on that child Um, and I thought I heard her say that to me years ago and I said that's very sad really so I want to sort of bring that perspective in, you know, the the sister who may feel overshadowed. um, And I certainly wanted to get the mother in. Mm. I wanted to get the mother's perspective on paper. What is it like, really, to have a child who doesn't have a lot of joy and who has she gets, you know, she's got pneumonia, she's gotten different infections, she's got, you know, problems swallowing, she had reflux. Um, There were so many colds, flus, all those small things that cause her pain and discomfort. What's it like managing that Mm. as, you know, loving somebody, but witnessing a lot of their pain and their distress? And, And you can't take it away. And you can't take it away. I tell you, the chapter, I think, that really got to me um, was when you write about Sally, who's the mum in the book, discovering that her child has these complex needs and the feeling of being lost, of entering a world that you didn't ask to enter and you can't escape. Yeah. I thought that particular chapter was powerful. And I think that will resonate with so many people. Yeah, that was almost like a dreamlike sequence, wasn't it, uh, Patricia, when she says you go through the double doors and they slam behind you like a prison and you can't get back out. The doors are locked. You must keep going forward along the corridor, as I say, of loss. And it is a corridor of loss because the child has lost the life that she could have had. And you've lost the daughter that you could have had, the healthy, happy maybe carefree daughter who was going to travel the world and get you know, married get and have married children. And, and, yeah, yes, and yeah. have birthday parties and junior cert nights and all that stuff that goes with the dreams that you have when a child is born. Because we do dream about the child before the child is even born. You have dreams for them. You're looking forward. Um, and then it, the dream is shattered because you have to, as the nurses said at the time in the hospital, you have to reimagine now a new future. And and it's not easy to do that. I think you, you keep reimagining it um, as the years go by. You have to keep focused that 
you know, you you know, you have a different future and, and, and you have to make the, the most of that. And I think a lot of uh, couples will say who have a child with uh, special needs, the relationship between the mum and the dad can suffer unless you really work on it. Yes. It can be, it can be really difficult. Because you're not always going to be singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah. yeah. And again, I explored that with dad and Sally. Um, you know, he's sort of off getting on with things and she's imploding, but pretending she's not. And he's impatient with that. So that's the thing. I suppose, you know, no two parents um, see things exactly in the same way. So mm. there's going to be explosions and there's going to be. Implosions. And everyone isn't going to agree with the decision that's been made or. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and people react and respond differently to different challenges in their lives. So you have to accommodate that within the family. And what what I love is, you, my God, you have a vivid imagination. I'll give you that. It wasn't just a case of this little girl suddenly going into another universe and having a normal life. You take her on this mad adventure. Yes, it's a mad adventure. It, it's it? just, where, yeah. goodness me, where did that come from? Do you know, and I've said this before, Patricia, and I do think it's it's helpful for writers to know this. I All I knew is that I was taking her to another universe, but it wasn't just fun and games because I thought that would be a bit boring. Yeah. Oh, she gets to have a swing and she gets to ride a horse and she sort of gets to, you know, to, to, to walk about. No, I didn't want it to be tame. I wanted her to have a wild time. I wanted her to sort of dig deep and find her own courage um, and her own sense of adventure and daring and daring do. You know, I wanted to bring out all these things inside in her. So she had to then go on a hero's journey. You know, that that old fashioned. It's like the I think really Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah, yeah. I, I read a lot of those yeah. fairy tales when I was a child. Grimm's and um, Hans Christian Andersen. That's exactly what it is. You, you yeah. know, those stories, yeah. Patricia, you might have read them, that they all they went off and they had to they had to, you know, had to be terribly brave. Yes. Yeah. And, and even though they were afraid, they were still yes. brave. And yeah. they came across loads of challenges, but yeah. they but they won out in the end yeah. sort of thing. I wanted but what was that journey going to look like? Hadn't a clue. So each chapter I went, I finished. I didn't know really where she was going next. I knew she was going to be having a hero's journey. I just didn't know what that entailed. And I used to go off spinning or off to an exercise class. And as I was mad flying on the bike or up in the gym um, in district, when the music was very loud, I'd suddenly realise, oh, I know what I'm going to do with her now. She's going to meet a friend. She's going to. And so it evolved. The book actually evolved. I loved loved that that story, that friendship that she had. I I, I I really, I really love that. And Almazova. Yes. Where'd you get that from? Do you know, I, I think there might be an Almazova in Siberia. I looked it's, up. And it's also, it's a Russian surname as well. Oh, is it? Oh. I didn't know that. Oh. Kajikistan is where it's more <laughs> predominantly from. I knew there was yeah. Russian connotations. Yeah. Which, I think I looked up um, a map and, and, and looked for for countries or names of places that I liked. Um, and I think it just came across and was always, oh, I like the sound of yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was the first thing I had to Google it straight because this place exists. And then, of course, started discovering it, all these Russian name, surnames yeah. and yeah. Azerbaijan is where it's most uh, wow. popular. No, now, uh, and as I mentioned, the book is it's, is absolutely a work of fiction. But are you hearing from other families who are identifying with the fictional family? Yes. And, you know, not just families with a child or a person in distress um, just uh, families that have no experience of this 
like you said at the start, Patricia, have said to me, I get an insight now and I can I can see what might happen. So people and then for people who have maybe experienced other difficulties. And I always say it's not even about disability. It's just it's a, more about the distress of any child or any person even, because that's the hard bit. Disability is tough. But if if the child is unhappy or anxious or are distressed, as I say, that's the real toughie. Mm. That's the one that you can't you can't do I, anything are, about. Are not having joy. I think not having a, joy. I, you know, because I, you know, and listeners to this program know because I speak enough about Marsha and the program. She's gone through periods where, where for whatever reason, it just didn't seem to be joy in her life. And I just found it the hardest yes. part of yes. of everything that's happened in her life. And yes. lockdown was particularly difficult for her, and everything being taken away yes. from her, and not really understanding why, yeah. why everything has disappeared. And I often say to people, nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors. Mm. We all put out the best. Yes, oh, everything's great in the world. Everything's wonderful. Yes. You know, and I'll share photographs of Marsha where she's always happy and smiling they don't yes. always see the time where she isn't always That's happy right. and smiling but people don't realise what families put up with yes. when the front door closes yes that's true absolutely and as you say because it's a child I think it's more heartbreaking um, because you know we're programmed really to want our children to be happy and to be fulfilled and to as they say fulfil their potential and go places in the world physically and I suppose in, in other ways um, and when, when we know that that's not going to happen that that does break your heart yeah yeah and, 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 and as you say Patricia you can't you know not that Lauren isn't always unhappy and always distressed of course but it's the moments yeah. it's the weeks or the months or the times that's the thing you know she might come out of that mood and she might be in better form and then life like last Christmas she was at home for two weeks and I have never seen her so engaged and so joyful. And people came into the house and said, my God, what's Lauren on? You know, yeah. she, she's she's in great form. And we see that very occasionally. So we know yeah, that in there well, somewhere, yeah. well, when you there see is that it, person. It's magical. Yes. It's, it's and how is she doing? She, she's she's respite, residential she Monday to Friday. That's that, right. Yeah. 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 So and home. indeed, now since COVID, actually, they said, you know, she, she can actually stay wherever she wants, whenever she wants. You know, she okay. really is at this stage now residential. OK. COVID sort of changed everything, really. Um, and so we can take her home then anytime we want. Yeah. Which is great because... As you get older as well, and we are getting older, um, and you're less mobile. I mean, lifting, you know, a yeah. child, even though she is still very light, but, you know, bathing or changing or all that sort of physical stuff, you find it a little harder as yeah. you get older. Yeah. Um, and it's lovely to know that she has a second home. Yeah. It's 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 such peace of mind because I think parents do really worry about that. What Massive. happens when we can't do this anymore? Massive. Listen, yeah. that's a story for another yes, day. Yes, indeed. My, and there's so many. I would yes. know so many people listening to this program are in that dilemma, aging them the, themselves. And there yeah. is a sequel to follow. There I was is. thrilled to finish the book yesterday to discover. Oh, book number two. Oh, great! You've you've, you've had written. It's in the. I wrote it during actually wrote it during lockdown. Well done. Um, I did get some uh, good advice from an editor um, about book one that I should sort of bring in more of the family stories. 
And as I was processing that in my head, I'd already started on book two. So I thought I'll finish book two and I'll come back to his suggestions. And I did that. So I, I, I finished book two last year. Um, didn't take me as long as book one, thankfully. Okay. Um, and, but I started to really get in again to the, the characters. So I feel I know the characters. They're like my friends now. And of course, Dahl has new adventures. It can't end there. Absolutely. Can't end. And I also have to say, I love the fact that it's short chapters. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes. Um, I hate very long chapters yes. because I always, I'm always getting caught that I have to leave the book down and I hate that. Oh, did I read that I bit? agree. So I love the short chapters. Yes. It is fantastic. The book, uh, where is it available? It's available um, on my website, okay. elnorokellylynch.ie. Uh, well, obviously online. Yeah. Um, Amazon and Ingram Spark and, you know, Book Depository, uh, Vibes and Scribes, Middleton Books and in Dongarvan, um, in Isabel's Place. And I'm signing tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock in the Silver Bow gift store in Hazelwood in Glanmire. Oh, fantastic. So there as well. Fantastic, so. fantastic. It's called The Girl with the Special Knees. And it, I, I, they also, I could talk to you all day about the book because I really loved it. I love the way you interspersed all the different music. I loved all the, yes. all the music going yes. through it. It's a joy. It's a joy. It's sad. It did make me cry, I will say that. But it, it, it's, and it's beautifully written. You've got a great gift 
So hang on to that gift and continue on. I'm I'm looking forward to more books from Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch. As always, a pleasure to have you in the studio. Thank you for that. And have a happy Christmas. My pleasure. Thank you, Patricia. Now, a Cork-born photographic artist has been selected to travel around the moon as part of an upcoming private space flight project. To discuss her out of this world trip, I'm joined by Rhiannon Adam, who is currently living in London. Good morning to you, Rhiannon. Good morning. I suppose we first need to get out of the way your Cork connection. Where were you born? Where were you born in Cork, and how long did you live here for? Um, I was born in the Red Brick Hospital in Cork, okay. um, and I lived in yeah in the area until I was seven. But um, we lived outside of Ballinadee, um, not too far away from Bandon. So, so do you have any family here or anything? Not really, but lots of friends still. Have you got lots of friends? Good. Okay, this is all part of the Dear Moon project. Tell us how you found out about it. Well, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, it was really frustrating for people like me who base our entire life on travel, I suppose. And um, I was sort of scrolling social media and I kept on coming across this, um, like a profile picture, I suppose, that um, people that had applied to the Dear Moon project could upload a picture of themselves and then they would download it. They, it would look like they were in a spacesuit. And I kept seeing this picture everywhere and I wondered kind of what it was. And I went on Twitter and I saw this tweet and I read about the project. And it sounded like the most incredible artist residency, you know, completely out of this world, no pun, um, artist residency. And I thought, well, you know, it kind of aligns with a lot of the work that I make. I work with remote communities. I make work that deals with kind of, you know, society's issues. And um, I thought this was a completely unique perspective uh, to have. So I applied for it and... Here I am. And what was the selection process like? I mean, you know, the selection process, a lot of it we was, you know, we have no idea about. A lot of it went on behind the scenes. But um, I suppose the, the standout thing for me was the medical because, you know, I'm living in London and we have the NHS and we don't do a lot with preventative health care. We, we sort of treat things well, but we don't do a lot with prevention. So my, my biggest fear, I suppose, during this whole uh, selection process was that not only was I going to be told that I wasn't going to go to space, but also I was going to be told that I was harboring some illness or something. So, you know, I was a bit afraid about that. But then when it came back all clear, I breathed, you know, a huge sigh of relief. And it felt like a massive gift in itself just to be sort of tested against so many things. Um, but, you know, we, we met up um we had a lot of Zoom calls. Um, I had a written application. I made a video. I mean, there were quite a lot of stages to it. So it's feeling quite vague now. And then wh- how, when did you finally discover that you were one of the, the eight, isn't it, in total that will go? Yeah, it's eight people and then there's two backup groups. I mean, we've known for a while that keeping it quiet has been the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it a phone call to say you've been selected? Well, do you know, it was funny because I was actually in Israel at the time and um, I was I was actually going to present, you know, about my own work. And I, I had this email saying, would you mind just doing one more Zoom interview? And I sort of did a bit of an eye roll to myself thinking, oh, not another one, really. <laughs> and um, it was like just, literally just before I had to head out the door. And I said, OK, well, I, I can do it for, you know, 15 minutes and that's it. And it was just MZ uh, on the screen. And he said, you know, basically, will you come to space with me? And I actually think I just burst into tears, which is just very unlike me. <laughs> such a normal, normally such a pragmatist. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it was just like, so shocking. And I don't think I'd been prepared for there to be any decision made at that point. So that's why it was particularly uh, surprising and took me aback. And then the whole day I had to go around and make this presentation and talk about my work. And all I wanted to do was talk about <laughs> space, which I knew I couldn't. 
<laughs> and this and MZ that you mentioned, he's the he's a the Japanese billionaire entrepreneur. He's the one who is um, who who is uh, fina- financing it. And I, I mean, I'm assuming now training. Do you, how do you, do you there will there will be training involved? Will there? Yeah, there will definitely be training involved. I'd be worried if there wouldn't. Be. I mean, <laughs> you know, that'd, that'd be more worrying if they just sent us off and said off you go. Um, no, like we. We haven't got the complete details of it, but we have had a couple of conversations, you know, like preliminary conversations about sort of, you know, when that might be and then, you know, who knows. But like with kind of that's all up in the air at the moment. But there will definitely be training. I'm really excited about it. I've watched every documentary that I could possibly find that has had any sort of SpaceX connection um, with anyone training via SpaceX rockets. I've been trying to swat up on what it might be. I'm, for me personally, I'm really hoping that there's a centrifuge because I'm a really big fan of a horribly scary theme park rides. So. <laughs> but have you always wanted to go to space? Well, you know, I suppose as a kid, you always look up at the sky, but you never really think of it as a real dream. You know, it, it's quite abstract. It's something that other people do. It's not something that people like you and me do. Um, so I suppose, you know, yes, but at the same time, I never thought it would have been possible. And, you know, after we left Ireland, I was on a boat for a long time. We, we bought a boat in Kinsale and um, went sailing. And we would be like we crossed the Atlantic one time, and in the middle of the Atlantic, all around you is just blackness, you know, up and down, um, and you feel very, very small. And I think that there's some sort of you know affinity that I have with that feeling of, of I suppose, being lost. Um, and so, in a way, it's sort of a familiar concept to me to be in this sort of abyss. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to to kind of having that different perspective on the world um, being able to look down and you know look at, out of the window and see everyone that you've ever yeah. known everyone that you've ever loved everything well, you've ever experienced is all on this rock and you're not any longer on that rock it's the, it's the opportunity of a lifetime and, and you mentioned that you have spent a lot of your time working in remote communities so I mean you're certainly taking that to a new level I was reading <laughs> yes. I was reading over the weekend I think it was in 2015 you went to Pitcairn Cairn yes. in the uh, and that's one of my bucket list places uh, to go. Oh, really? Just that's the just remind people that's the mutiny on the bounty. Just remind people what, what 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 where where Pitcairn is. Yeah, it um it's kind of halfway. If you drop a pin, literally between Chile and New Zealand, and that's where it is. But I mean, if you are on Google Maps and you just kind of keep enlarging it for a very long time, you'll eventually find this speck, and it'll say Adamstown, Pitcairn Island. Uh, you can only reach it by a supply ship, so it's quite an arduous place to get on and off of. And the community is incredibly tiny. There are fewer than 50 people that live there at last count. I think it was um, 38. And it's Britain's last remaining overseas territory in the South Pacific. So it's the reason why the sun never sets on the British Empire. And without it, that statement would no longer be true. Um, but it, it became very famous for you know two reasons. One was obviously a high-profile string of abuse trials that took place yeah. in 2004, which was not great. Um, and then the other reason is obviously the mutiny on the bounty. So, yeah. It's the direct sentence from uh, from the, the mutiny on the bounty. You've got a book out uh, uh, about that, about your time there. Because yeah. you, you, you got dropped off and then the boat doesn't come back for three months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so you have to get on with it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you fa- do, you really do. And, and the, book is, think- the book is called Big Fence. It is called Big Fence. Yeah, I know it sounds a bit of a sort of, it doesn't sound very um, literate, that title, but it's actually the name of a house that uh, that I spent a lot of time on on the island. And also it's kind of a reference to the biggest fence of them all, which is the Pacific. 
Okay, and do you know when you're going to fly around the moon? <laughs> Are you a <laughs> date? Um, I don't have a set date, um, and I don't think they'll ever give us a set date, to be perfectly honest. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, you get a launch window. Um, and we're still having, you know, chats about when that is actually likely to be, because, you know, right now they haven't um, even sent this, this rocket up um, in its entirety yet. So once all of that happens, I imagine we'll start to get our dates in the diary relatively sort of thick and fast. But um, at the moment, we're still looking at just 2023 and hoping that we hear more shortly so that I've got enough time at least to pack my bag sensibly. I'm not a great packer under pressure. So. <laughs> and obviously, you're a photographic artist. The camera will be the most important thing that you'll, you'll be packing. What do you hope you will create during it and, and afterwards? Well, obviously, there are telescopes that do a very good job of documenting space. So I'm not hoping or dreaming that I can compete in any way with any of that sort of, you know, completely space dedicated technology um so from my perspective i work a lot with analog photography so i'll make you know salt prints using salt water or i'll I'll use um, algae to make prints using the sun um so i i kind of i use alternative processes usually to talk about whether it's like an environmental issue or a social issue so i kind of tie tie in the, the materiality of the photograph with the subject matter so I'm hoping to be able to do something along a similar line, although, you know, of course, that will bring certain difficulties because it's space and we won't, there'll be zero gravity and we won't be able to, to do all the things the way that we would normally do. So that's why I'm going to have to spend a bit of time doing pre-research and speaking to scientists, people who've been to space before and actually figuring out the logistics of all of this, because I want to be able to, to create unique objects within space that I bring back to us so they never actually were created here. Because the thing is about photography is that, you know, I'm not a digital photographer where everything I can work on a laptop and yeah. process it. If I was shooting analog, I'd have to bring it back to earth and process it most likely. And then that sort of ruins the process a little bit for me. I kind of want to make the work out in space and bring it back to earth. So it was created in its entirety. It's fascinating. In, it's just yeah. fa- it's it's just fascinating. Listen, uh, Rhiannon, we wish you nothing but love and luck on the trip. And thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us. Of course, anytime. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Marion in Clonakilty was um, asking if I would thank all of the doctors and nurses in Bantry Hospital, in particular Dr Rebecca Murphy and her team, especially a staff nurse by the name of Andrea. I don't have Andrea's surname. Marion and Clon said she'd like to thank them for all their help over the weekend. She said they were outstanding. OK, so well done. Take a bow. Dr. Rebecca, all of the team there and Nurse uh, Andrea. Now, let me stay on a topic in West Cork because Paddy O'Brien, great advocate for older people, has contacted us this morning. Um, good morning to you, Paddy. Yeah, good morning, Patricia. OK, you've had, a dis- you've had a distressing call from a woman somewhere <laughs> in the Bandon area, I'm told, is it? I have indeed this morning and... Um She's on her mini-eaties and she has central heating. She has oil, but the last three days, the heating hasn't come on. And I'm appealing to somebody in that area to contact me, some plumber to contact me. She's now afraid of that the pipes might burst. And she's in a desperate state, a very genuine lady. At this time of year, I mean, heat is very important. And the medical profession have stated over and over again that uh, it, it is so important, it's even more important than food. 
So out there we might have a plumber who would kindly give you a call and help out this. I don't know what the situation is and what the problems are, rather. And, um, and they can contact me and I give them more details about the situation. OK, and we, we, have, your, we have your contact details. So we're looking yeah. for ID, somebody, it's oil central heating. So somebody who services oil exactly, central exactly. heating. The boiler, it's, it's, you know, it's probably something very small that probably. just needs to be either probably. maybe just a service or some part needs to be replaced. Probably. So a plumber in who services oil fired central heating boilers in the Bandon yeah. yeah. area. Yeah. And what it would do is this, please, taking advantage of here while I'm on the air talking. I would appeal to neighbours to keep a watch out for elderly people, especially the housebound. There, in fact, there are 46, 44,000 elderly people over six over, over six years of age living in Coxon in County alone. They're the vulnerable people at the moment. One thing, you just ask them, are you okay for heating and food? Neighbours can save a life. I keep on saying to people, if you knock on the door, that knock could save a life. In Coxon years ago, over a period of six months, we had two people found dead in their homes who have been dead for considerable time. Yeah. To avoid fatalities, it's the neighbours can play an active role in preventing those fatalities again. And this is as far as Trump, that applies for the whole country. Don't be embarrassed or afraid uh, to knock at a neighbour's door and say, oh, I never spoke that day before. Knock. And you want to give Yeah, and help. just to say, I'm popping to the shops. Have you enough exactly. milk? Have you enough bread? Yeah. And, just, right. and also just to check in and make sure that they do have enough heating on and in or do they need an extra bag of coal and to encourage them to use whatever heating they have elderly people Paddy sometimes can be afraid of running up a bill or I won't be able to afford it I mean we've already had the government coming out saying Department of Social Protection is there if they need extra funding they can get extra funding we don't want anybody dying of the cold but in the meantime we now have a woman living on her own obviously is she this woman in her mid 80s living on her own and, and what I would say there are thousands of elderly people listening to Patricia every morning and what I'm saying you people the elderly of West Cork and of the city uh, forget the bill forget the bill forget what the SB bill will be next month or the month after it's your health now is so important give yourself plenty plenty of healing because you are classed as vulnerable and that applies to you because the uh, the uh, ASB will not uh, cut you off. Yeah. That's a system they've mapped for the next six months. Okay. And if you're, if you're uh, living alone and over 66 years of age, and so we all don't want to play and not could save a life. And I hope this would, uh, some plumber will give me a call this morning. Okay. Please. And we have, we have Paddy's contact details. So we need somebody in the West Cork area. And I know how busy plumbers are at yeah, the moment but please if somebody could just whatever job you're doing at the moment could you could you factor in at some stage today a call to this lady in Bandon just to get her heating back up and running and has she any other form of heating in the house Paddy? I, I, she doesn't know as far as I know no, I did, I'm quite honestly when the person would come on to me asking for help I never quizzed them never because they I know said, I know Paddy, Paddy was asking too many questions like why her voice and she rang me I knew the lady was stressed God help her God help her she was almost in tears and having said that there are thousands of people in that situation that's very even throughout the city and county and it's all of us all of us I said to the neighbours knock on the door are you alright are you alright like the old tradition 
of knocking in the door amongst neighbours and saying, I came over for a chat. That's gone. I, I work in an area, in a particular area in Cork, and there are people living next door to each other, next door to each other, and they don't know each other. They don't know each other's names. It was awful with those houses, and I said, the gentleman next door, what's his name? I, I, I don't know, I never saw him. That's in the centre of the city, and I've also been saying that the people in Exfax, I maintain the people in the remote parts of the, of the country have been looked after better than people in the city centre because you have to be to the care of the ICA, people who are generally concerned. And it's very sad for me to come across people that they say they don't know their neighbour. Yeah, people, and, the, and the other thing is not everyone has yeah. family or good family that will call them. And, and, and I know that's I've that's spoken it. with you before in the past of... Yeah. Of the heartbreak of pair of people, families, and families break up for all different reasons, and elderly parents being left on their own with nobody calling to check check in exactly. on them. Exactly, and I would say, I would say this: that a many elderly in this country die of a broken heart, and that broken heart has been created by their very very own sons and daughters. And I I, re- I read an article in the Echo last night that I wrote in nineteen seventy eight. And I spoke with a woman with 11 children. I went to a visitor in the hospital and she told me she had four sons and four sons and seven daughters. One daughter would visit her. And she said to me, Paddy, as I lie in this bed alone, shedding tears every day, I'm thinking of my funeral. I can see my daughters with their crocodile tears and my sons with their crocodile tears. I can see them with their black suits on them and their black ties and their big bouquet of flowers. And all I wanted from them was one visit while I was alive. That has always stayed with me. And that was years ago. And the reality is the same today. Yes. People, elderly people, Patricia, they feel abandoned and forgotten about, but they're very, very, very old. And I would say one thing that I finish off. I would say to you, men out there, sons and daughters, who forget about your parents. Remember one thing, please. That your mother did did you the greatest favour ever in your life. She brought you into the world. She brought you into this world and she gave you love and she reared you. And if there's a row between you, forget about it. Your mother brought you into this world. And she gave you what? She gave you life. Life and love. So forget whatever row you had and go visit her today. Okay, well said, well said. And we all have to grow old one day as well. All right, Paddy, we'll be in contact. We'll be in contact with you. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. That's uh, Paddy O'Brien of the Over 60s Talent Show. Well known for that, but a great advocate for older people. So the call has gone out now. Please, if anybody knows a plumber or someone who can service a boiler in the Bandon area, we have a a lady in her mid-80s living on her own. Uh, She has oil, but the central heating just hasn't fired up, hasn't kicked in uh, for the last three days so there's obviously some issue with the boiler and says Patricia that lady's boiler probably just needs to be reset it happened to me a few uh, years ago um, okay so if anyone can contact us and then we will put you in contact with Paddy O'Brien and let's see if we can get that sorted out and sorted out today uh, because we can't leave we're not in this really really cold weather and it's only going to get colder over the next number of, of days so we need to get that sorted ASAP uh, call us please 0818 are you can text or WhatsApp and Bernie will give you a call back 086 2103 103. Let me take a look at some of your 
calls and texts uh, coming into the programme. Hi Patricia, I hope this message finds you well. Thank you very much. I wish that the council would grish the secondary roads around rural Ireland. It's a nightmare. They are a nightmare to travel on. The grish truck passed our house yesterday evening and didn't grish our road. Why are we paying road tax? It's a disgrace. Keep up the great work. Keep safe and warm uh, everyone and that's from a West Cork uh, listener. I can see some cancellations coming in. I'll get to all of those cancellations. There's also questions coming in for Annalise. Can you keep those coming in to us please because Annalise Drissel will be joining us later on in this hour. Now I spoke about hair coursing earlier on in the programme when I spoke with Aideen Ural of the Irish Council Against Blood Sports. Uh, Mary in Newtown Chandram says, Patricia, that lady, that was Aideen, is fierce concerned about the Irish hair population and pins it all on the Irish coursing clubs who have helped to conserve the hair for years. Yet she does not mention one word about the savagery going on about illegal hunting. Of course, it's much easier to target those taxpaying, hardworking people involved in the sport of coursing than those who are the real problem. It also must be pointed out that you, Patricia, have just presided over a very imbalanced piece of shoddy journalism. A person in Mill Street said to me was your parting line. It's only the tabloid media that uses anonymous sources like that. I thought 3103 was a more reputable station than that. But once again, when it comes to coursing, you have failed to control your clear bias against it. I wonder, will you or that other lady, Aideen, head out and help conserve the hairs this weekend in the freezing conditions? Or will you just continue to give out from the warmth of your studio? Think we all know the answer to that. Long live coursing. And that's from Mary in uh, Newtown Chandram. And that's always one of the arguments that's always put forward by coursing clubs that the work that they do to conserve the hair. But I suppose the argument back is you do it to conserve the hair so that you can use the hairs for hair coursing. 0818103103. Lovely text in reacting to Eleanor who joined us talking about her gorgeous book. Um, somebody looking for the name of it again. It's the girl with special needs as opposed to special needs the girl with special needs uh, Hi Patricia what a lovely gifted lady Eleanor was as the late Maeve Binchy said and I quote write about what you know yeah, Maeve Binchy was always great uh, for saying that 0818103103 uh, Margaret says Hi Patricia just listening to Paddy O'Brien speaking there I have no fire as I can't afford it my sister has oil and a stove I asked her could I stay with her for the cold spell the night time only but guess what she said no have a lovely Christmas uh, Patricia you and your loyal listeners uh, Margaret and that's it goes back to what happens, doesn't it, within families. Now, I can see a number of people are giving us suggestions of somebody that might be able to repair that woman's boiler for her. Um, I'll get, I'll get um, Bernie to reach out to some of those people because we need to... I appreciate uh, how busy plumbers are at the moment as well so we need somebody who maybe has a very very full appointment book today to try and somehow fit this lady in she's in the Bandon area so ideally somebody in that area may be able to help her. John in Abbey said all new, new bills are now being built without chimneys so if the, if the heating fails guess what you can't even build a uh, fire. Hi Patricia John and Kil- this is John and Kilmallock says a few years ago uh, a friend came back from England uh, his, his mother hadn't seen him in years. He said he came back uh, to look after his investment. Oh, goodness me. Goodness me. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. 
The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Now, let me go through some of the cancellations that we are getting in. I can see more coming in by text as well, but some of the cancellations coming in so far for tonight. Bohabui ICA floral demonstration that's cancelled tonight due to the weather conditions. The Kaylee in the Park Hotel in Dunmanway, that's cancelled uh, tonight. And there's a number of people asking about bingo in Bottevant. Bingo in Bottevant is cancelled tonight due to the inclement weather. For tomorrow, already some cancellations in Pohabui, 45-car drive cancelled for Tuesday. And Chambali Moor bingo due to be held on Tuesday, that's also cancelled. Somebody else is wondering, is bingo on in Kilbrin tonight? Does anybody know if bingo's on in Kilbrin? Hi Patricia, could you please announce that Kale Kill Bingo is cancelled tonight due to the severe weather conditions. We'll have our Christmas bingo next Monday the 19th and that comes in from uh, Mary. And the Donnerail Active Retirement Group, they're meeting for their last chair yoga session with Orla. That's this afternoon at two and they'll continue their craft season with Marie at three o'clock. This, please note, to all members of the Donnerail Active Retirement is the last meeting for 2020. 22. Some of your calls and comments coming in. Uh, John O'Donovan in the city said it's appalling the way families uh, treat each other. Listening to uh, Paddy O'Brien and indeed some of our listeners sharing stories as well. John is an only child and he said, listen to some of the stories, particularly from Paddy O'Brien. He said, maybe he's better off. Thanks for that, John. There's no bingo in Kilbrin tonight. Thank you for that. Somebody was asking about that. So that's bingo cancelled in Kilbrin. And Dolores has been on from the Bethany bereavement support to say coping with Christmas when you bereaved event that was due to be held in the West End Art Studio on this Wednesday at half past seven but they've decided in advance to cancel it okay that's the Bethany bereavement support coping with Christmas due to be held on Wednesday West End Art Studio has been uh, cancelled keep your questions coming in for Annalise Drissel please I can see some questions coming in if you've got a question for Annalise she'll be joining us in a couple of minutes you can call John Paul are you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Can anybody help one of our listeners say, Patricia, any idea, please, how to stop the cat trying to bring live mice into the kitchen? Oh, God, your cats can be so cruel. And then they just play away with it. It's 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 awful. When I had cats back in the day, I've, well, not so much, well, I had a few live ones, but they were forever bringing in dead ones. And of course, they say the reason they do it is that they see you as part of their pack and they don't see you out hunting. So they're trying to teach you how to hunt are they bringing food in for you as well as one of the reasons that they do it I don't know I've, I really I've no I've, I, I personally never came up with the way of trying to stop it if anybody else has can you let us know please because somebody obviously is getting too many live mice that the cat is bringing in and I don't know whether they're finishing off the because the cat, cats can be so cool they'll play literally play with it it isn't just you know catch it kill it and be done with it and put it out of its misery but yeah they can be quite cruel if anybody has words of advice for that listener 0818 103 103 we've been talking about the shortage of medical staff for quite some time we're short on doctors we're short on nurses we're short on all of the therapists right across the multi-D team 
teams, everything from speech and language therapists, occupational therapists, physiotherapists, audiologists, which is right across the board. Well, that's led uh, Mary to contact the programme to say, Patricia, has the Minister for Health lost his memory? Many nurses and doctors and other medical professionals returned to Ireland at the beginning of COVID-19. Remember that call went out to come home and help your country. They were all given false promises of pay and conditions that would be allocated to them on their return. Unfortunately, that was not the case as many who returned discovered so many obstacles, particularly when these professionals arrived home. For example, there was no place for them to live and any allowances that were promised towards accommodation was not given to them if they decided to stay at their parents' home. Therefore, many of them returned to where they had initially travelled from. What a kick in the teeth. It goes to show how out of touch our politicians are. They think they can dictate to those of us who put them into their jobs. But no, Ireland, though it seems so now, is not a dictatorship. Add that to the new nightmare of getting somebody who was paid to provide themselves with a holiday home, for the most part their own pleasure and use when they feel like going there, have now been asked to give those houses over to house Ukrainian refugees. I don't have one, by the way. I'm lucky to have a modest home which my husband and I paid for. In fact, we are Irish citizens who fall into that category of having to pay for everything. As we don't qualify for a medical card, we only qualify for a GP visit card. I could go on and on. I'd also love to hear people's comments on the very cumbersome system that has replaced the Med 1 form to reclaim medical expenses. Revenue, it seems, are making it so difficult to navigate. But of course, there is a method to their madness, hoping we'll give up on the claim. You know, we cannot all afford to pay accountants to do this for us. And as regards a family member or friend helping with this, what about a person's privacy and confidentiality? Disgusted with the way our country is treating our older population who did their best, who do their best to remain independent. And that's from Mary. Well, Mary, I would... um, you got a lot in, into that particular uh, message for sure. What I would say to you on Revenue is contact them. If you're having any kind of forms, contact them. The staff at Revenue, I know people think, oh, the taxman, I wouldn't be ringing the taxman. Do. They're wonderful staff there. Failing that, if you don't want to get a family member or friend, and I fully understand your, your privacy and your confidentiality, Citizens Information, a group that we feature once a month on the programme, they're amazing totally confidential. If you put a call through to them, they certainly would be able to help you out. But if you have paid medical expenses that you're entitled to claim back, then get in there, girl, and claim it back as quick as uh, you can. That would be my advice to you. But on your initial commentary on the shortage of doctors and nurses, I was only reading this morning, we're losing so many of our wonderful young trained staff to overseas to other countries. And now New Zealand have offered overseas nurses and midwives an immediate path to residency country there. They're trying to address an acute shortfall of medical staff. Their Prime Minister, that's Jacinda Ardan, says changes to the immigration system meant those eligible now will get fast-tracked residency from Thursday of this week. See, they're really starting to think outside the box and they're welking welcoming immigrant workers. They know they need to look overseas. Specialist doctors have been now added to New Zealand's green list and the green list allows skilled workers in hard to fill roles to get residency. The New Zealand Nurses Organisation, they estimate the country needs
needs about 4,000 more nurses. I don't know how many it is in this country that we need at the uh, moment. And of course, I know earlier in the year they, were, they also need hundreds, they announced this earlier in the year, they need hundreds of mental health nurses, which certainly is another problem in this country. The New Zealand only fully opened its borders in August. They were shut down with travel restrictions for about two years because of COVID-19. And of course, they build New Zealand as the best place to live, work and uh, play. And to send there down, the president said we need to be as competitive as we can. So they've come up with this idea of fast tracking residency and as a way of trying to encourage people to come to New Zealand and uh, work. And unemployment, by the way, in New Zealand is just 3.3%. There's only 95,000 people currently out of work and looking for uh, jobs in New Zealand. So they have and when you get to that low percentage unemployed, that's as near to full employment. So New Zealand are doing everything and they'll be targeting because particularly Irish nurses, Irish nurses are wanted all over the world. We train Irish nurses so well and our Irish nurses are always seen as being so professional but so caring. There's something I think within our psyche that's just naturally makes us, I'm not saying more caring than other than other countries, but we do seem to nail it when it comes to nurses and Irish nurses are highly regarded anywhere in the world so you can be sure that New Zealand will put in a big pitch to our young Irish nurses so what we need to do we need to make sure that the pay and conditions are good in this country so that they'll stay they're so stressed out and so overworked all of our nurses and doctors will say the same thing and if we don't think outside the box and start doing something to make their conditions better we'll just simply end up losing more and more of them overseas. 0818103103. We're going to take a break and we are back with Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, answering your questions. If you've got questions, you can call Bernie or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103103. And just before we go to Annalise, we've been talking about the conditions on the road and please drive with uh, care. Uh, text in saying, Patricia, hi, I drive a truck for the council. We were out all over the weekend gritting the roads. Myself and my colleagues, we put our lives at risk and on the line to keep the road safe for everybody else and traffic coming towards us won't even slow down when they pass us. The majority of people have no clue about bad roads or how to drive on bad roads. Please be careful out there. Uh, The weather conditions particularly bad uh, today. Now Annalise Drissell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic uh, joining us on this bitterly cold afternoon. Uh, Good afternoon to Annalise. Good afternoon Patricia. And keeping warm Annalise that's what it's all about isn't it in this cold weather? Layer up, I suppose, Patricia, and don't let yourself go too long without food because that definitely would make it get a bit cooler. So plenty warm herbal teas or cups of tea and lovely warming soups and stews. Okay, and look after yourself that way. Okay, let me get straight into uh, questions. Anna uh, says, uh, would Annalise have seen anyone with fatigue after getting the COVID booster? I'm wrecked. Four weeks after getting mine, I'm just managing to work only half days. I did get COVID twice this year and I feel it definitely has left its mark on my health, especially when it comes to my energy levels and indeed my mood. Any advice would be much appreciated. So absolutely, we have seen people with fatigue after the boosters and also after COVID as well. So it does seem to be a common side effect from COVID. And we still have a very poor understanding of what this virus is doing to people, Patricia. And why is it that some people get it and it doesn't take a bit of bit out of them and some people um, get it badly? and have long COVID and some people get a very mild dose and have long COVID. It's one of the strangest viruses I've ever seen in all my years. 
So the fatigue is very common after it. And also for a lot of people as well, they would um, notice that their immune system is low. So they tend to get a lot of sniffles. Some people have a long-term cough afterwards as well or long-term uh, mucus in the chest find it very, very hard to uh, clear mucus. So they will be the most common symptoms. But we're also seeing, and this is after both now the, va- the vaccine and the boosters and w- after COVID as well, Patricia, so not just with the, the boosters. Uh, we're seeing people with very sore joints, strange rashes. For young women particularly, a lot of um, menstrual issues like very heavy periods, um, lots of um, dysregulated periods and menstruation cycles. We're seeing people with a lot of sleeping difficulties after COVID, so it's a very, very weird one. Now, in terms of this listener, the first thing I'd suggest is that you just give yourself a cocktail of natural supplements to try and boost yourself back into as best health as you can. So the Source of Life Gold is always a lovely kind of tonic because there is some ginseng in there, but there's a whole load of superfoods and some mushroom extracts in there. And these are wonderful for the immune system. Um, Another one that we've been finding helps a lot of people is N-acetylcysteine, or NAC, NAC it's called. Um, It actually was nearly sold out last year, Patricia. It became so common to use it. And that is a great one for people who also have chest issues, but we do find it gives people a bit of an energy boost as well. It has a role to play in reducing inflammation. And if you're really absolutely shattered, what I would suggest is buying actually ginseng on its own and just taking it as and when you need that little bit of extra energy to get you through maybe the afternoon's work or if you have to go out to a party or something over Christmas. Um, And there's a love, uh, Terra Nova are a lovely company. They do a wonderful array of different ginsengs and there's one called Dynamic Synergy, which is a blend of different ginsengs. And we've been getting very good feedback on that for people with post-COVID fatigue. Okay, hi, um, Annalise. My mum is 90. She keeps getting kidney infections. She puts, she's put on an antibiotic, but as soon as the antibiotic finished, the kidney infection comes back. Any suggestions, please? Yeah, absolutely, Patricia. And a lot of people who would get recurrent kidney infections find that they don't survive without an antibiotic. Unfortunately, the antibiotic does kill all the good bacteria. And that's one of the key things in terms of having a healthy urinary tract from beginning to end. So we, um, when we're looking at the natural uh, support for the urinary tract system, you want to nourish the tissue of the urinary tract. You also want to make sure that all the good bacteria are able to populate. And once they're there, they kind of crowd out the bad guys. Um, the disease-causing bacteria, Patricia, they're so clever. After an antibiotic, what they can do is they go into like nearly like a cyst form and they form this thing called a biofilm, which is nearly like an invisibility cloak that they pull over themselves. And they hide until, under that until conditions are, um, are, are right for them to start multiplying again. And that's why antibiotics are, um, are, you know, you need the recurrent antibiotics once you get into that cycle. So this is what I would recommend for at least a period of two to three months because you really do have to nurse your kidneys back to full health. So Dr. Claire does a herbal blend called Cystone. And that is a wonderful um, blend of different herbs that will help nourish the good, um, the the tissue of the bladder and encourage the good bacteria to grow. And then for the good bacteria, I recommend cranbiotics. And then the last thing I recommend is something called D-manose, which is actually a type of sugar, but it prevents those disease-causing bacteria from being able to stick onto the bladder wall. So if they can't stick on, they can't multiply. And I would say that after an infection, you need to be taking those about three times a day. And once you're fairly clear, go on to once a day for maintenance. 
Okay, Sharon is looking for tips, please, with a reoccurring heartburn. It feels like it's coming from her throat. Yes, and heartburn, sometimes um, you have too much acid in your stomach and sometimes you have too little acid in your stomach, Patricia, which is a thing. Um, And what's happening is that when your food is digesting, um, it's kind of gurgling and you can get the acid rising up through the, the little muscle at the top of the stomach. Now, most of the time, whether it's too much or too little acid, my experience is that that's, it's that little muscle that's weak, actually. Some people have a hiatus hernia, which is a physical problem, pushing the stomach up and pushing the acid through. So what I recommend is a product called Zinc Carnosin. It's spelled C-A-R-N-O-Z-I-N, Carnosin. And this helps to um, tighten up that little valve, but it also is very good to encourage the mucus-producing cells of the stomach to produce a nice big thick layer of mucus. And that's great to protect the stomach lining from acid. So if there's any inflammation or of the stomach lining, that'll help with that. The second thing then I recommend is something called Slippery Elm. And this is a kind of a mucilage. It um, has got healing properties, but it, it, it also coats the uh, tissue of the throat and the, and the, the food pipe with um, a nice kind of thick layer of that mucilage and prevents it from being damaged because that is ultimately what causes inflammation and the burning sensation. So you take slippery elm about 10 minutes before each meal. And then the last thing I would recommend is either, if you can get your hands on it, the Dr. Claire Digest Tone is a great one to help you improve your digestion. Or you could take also a digestive enzyme and Terranova and Udo's do both do lovely digestive enzymes. Okay, I mentioned shingles earlier on. I've just spotted a text in. I was talking about Shane McGowan, the lead singer from the Pogues. He's ended up in hospital and there's actually shingles that went to his brain and he's ended up with encephalitis and he's been very unwell, but hopefully he'll make a full recovery. Uh, But it went in through his eyes and I've just spotted a text in from a listener saying, any advice for shingles on the face? It's very painful, isn't it? Very painful, Patricia, yeah. So really shingles is a virus. And actually this is one thing I'd stress as well, Patricia, this time of the year, if you're getting your booster vaccines, Your immune system is very low for at least a week to 10 days after getting that vaccine. So if you come in contact with people who've got bad bugs and shingles, you are much more at increased risk of of getting those. So I'd suggest that people are very, um, you know, cautious about wearing their masks and mixing. And also make sure you're taking your vitamin D. And if you wanted to give yourself an extra boost, vitamin C and zinc, if you're going out over the Christmas period after after about two weeks, you're back to normal. But you are compromised. So with shingles, it's an antiviral approach and there's a few different things that you can try. The olive leaf extract is always a lovely one. Um, We get such great feedback on that all the time. But another one that's very good for um, uh, as an antiviral is something called monolaurin. It actually comes from, it's a kind of an extract from colostrum, I think. And um, I know one company that does it is Nutri Advanced and their product is called um, Vires, V-I-R-E-S-E. Um, that's very good. Also, hypericum is, a, is um, a homeopathic remedy and you can actually get it in a cream as well, Patricia. It's very good for inflamed nerves and it would be particularly good for shingles because that's the shingly pain is the inflamed nerves and then you get the breakthrough sore on the face. 
So Hypericum, you can take it as a tablet, but in this case, I would definitely recommend it as a cream. Okay, all right. And as always, all of the information that uh, Annalise has spoken about today, she'll put it up on our website this afternoon. Healthhomestore.com is the website and as heard on the radio. Keep warm, Annalise, and we'll chat to you next Monday. Thanks a million. Bye bye. That is Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic. Now, uh, some things to catch up on. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Michael Sheehan, who is a plumber in Bandon, who does boiler servicing. He is flat out with work at the moment uh, but he's going to contact Paddy and he's hopefully going to be able to help that lady in her 80s in Bandon living alone and her her heating hasn't been working for the last number of days so thank you really do appreciate that uh, Michael and we'll check in with uh, Paddy uh, during the week just to make sure everything is okay for that uh, lady. Hi Patricia oh this is to do with the cat you know the cat that a listener is having a problem with her cat bringing in live mice into the house and how can she stop it Dennis, one of our listeners who listens to us in Oxford in England, UK, getting cold weather as well. Dennis, hope you're staying warm in Oxford. Said Patricia, the caller about the cat bringing in the mice into their house. Get your cat a bell collar. A small, put a small bell on the collar of your cat. It alerts their prey when the cat is near and then it gives birds a chance to fly away and it also gives rodents a chance to make a break for it. If your cat already wears a collar, then you simply attach a small bell to the already comfortable collar. It's as easy to do as that and that does work and I should have thought about that. It absolutely does work. Thank you for that, uh, Dennis. Uh, good to have you along listening in Oxford. Mary in Mitchestown on coursing says, Patricia, buzzards were released into the Galtes a few years ago. They have decimated the rabbits, the hares and the birds, etc. in that area. So it isn't just coursing that is threatening the hare population. When Aidan Ural was talking about the number of hares that we've lost, it isn't all just down to uh, coursing. Clonakilty Credit Union have been on. They want to reassure listeners that their AGM will go ahead tonight as planned at eight and that's at the Fernhill House Hotel there are spot prizes and refreshments so Clonakilty Credit Union AGM is going ahead tonight Fernhill House at uh, eight o'clock and that's where I leave you for today thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced and we will talk to you tomorrow at 10 o'clock until then stay warm Even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.